morning before we end. Um, well, maybe three. Scrap the sermon that you have in your hands. We're doing something different. Um, uh, that was its own sermon there. Um, first, I want to address the events that have taken place in our nation those last couple of weeks. Um, and then I want to get to this, so I promise you. Um, our nation continues to be divided over truth, and, and we see those things. And I never want to use our pulpit here for anything but the proclamation of the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. So let me, I just want to read you a verse and make a few comments. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, For this reason God highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me make a few statements here. I want you to listen careful. The Lord Jesus Christ was appointed to a lifetime position as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No man can ever, ever come close to that. He is appointed to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has been given a name that at that very name, every knee will bend before him someday. He is the Lord of Lords. And his lifetime appointment is eternal. And it's perfect in every way. And he is the Lord of lords. And now that it is true that Jesus Christ is the true chief justice of all, he will rule and reign perfectly someday. And you and I, you and I will gladly bend our knee. Others will not, but they will bow. But you and I will gladly bend our knee to a perfect God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will reign in perfection someday. And so put your trust in that. God is perfect, and Jesus is going to be on the throne forever. And I hope you find encouragement in that. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. We'll just look at a passage here just to remind ourselves what took place here. And if you have strength and uh, you can stand up for just a moment, let's read a few verses together here in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into, the, into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated.
Father in heaven, we thank you this morning from, for what you allowed us to engage in. Singing praises to you and lifting your name, exalting your Son, strengthened by the Holy Spirit that spotlights the truth of God's word into our heart. We have truly rejoiced this morning. And then, by your grace, you have ushered people into your kingdom, Lord, and we have now witnessed their testimonies. They have publicly proclaimed that they are identified in Christ. Lord, our hearts are full just rejoicing that you take people who are lost, just like us, Lord, lost in our sins, dead in those trespasses, and you make them alive in Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for encouraging us this morning. And as we turn to your word for just a few moments, Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord. And may there be many more, Lord, who stand in the waters of baptism here at Riverbend and proclaim that you have saved them from their sins. And we'll give you praise and all the glory due you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a powerful thing to witness baptisms, particularly for believers. And there was an amazing recurring theme as we listened to those testimonies. They, they're all testimonies of, of most of them, I believe, have been raised or in the church at, at some length of time. Church becomes cultural for many people. They go to church because that's what you do. And often they're still blinded from truth. As Apostle Paul wrote Romans 6, his coming off of this great declaration that salvation comes through Christ alone. There is no works to it. It is not something you produce in any way, shape, or form. And so the Spirit of God starts in verse 1 with him, pushes him to respond to a question that really wasn't asked. Notice in verse 1, what shall we then say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase or abound? So, well, where's the, why, why is he asking a question when one has not been answered? The Spirit of God moved the Apostle Paul along that there were those who were very religious who were listening or going to read this letter who said, look, you, don't you know who I am? I go to church, I have been faithful, I give money, I, I'm not like the rest of the people. Or there's others that would say, hey, I got you, Jesus, don't bug me. I'm going to live my life the way I want. And so this great question is posed. What shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning since, since Jesus Christ did this amazing work on the cross, covered my past, present, and future sins, so what do I have to do? His answer to the question is remarkable. He uses a Greek phrase that in its day was called, that's impossible. Verse 2, it says, may it never be. That's the phrase. Literally, they would say, oh, that's impossible. This is a phrase, the way that, that little Greek phrase would have been used in this Roman culture. That's impossible. He sees a great phrase. Don't you know, as he goes on, or do you not know, is questioned back to those who would read this, that all who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized in his death. Wait a minute, let's think about this. All of those who claim the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we want to be careful with the word here, baptism, we think of, of that right there. That's not what he's speaking of. 
Though that illustrates what he's speaking of, he's very clear, all those who have been immersed, identified into Christ, have been identified in his death. In other words, what Paul is saying, don't you know that when Christ died, you died to sin too? How can you live in it any longer? See, it's a great push to say, look, if we believe that this Lord Jesus suffered on a cross, the Father judged him for all of our sins as though he committed them, wouldn't this bring a difference in our life? So he says, that's impossible. How can we, who are believers, continue in sin? This is a continual practice, an indifference to the things of God. How can we continue in that? That grace may abound. Here the word baptismo is the Greek word. We didn't do much with it when we brought it to English because we didn't have a great word. But it has the idea of being immersed into something. It was used in in Greek culture of a woman who would uh, immerse her, her dishes into water, put it down in there. Or completely wash their child, immerse their child and wash them completely. That's the idea of the word. And so we as believers, baptism, think it's best illustrated through immersion. And so we see that as we come into faith with the Lord Jesus Christ, as he takes us from the world and he immerses us into his son, he fully identifies us with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice what was written on the back of their shirts? What did it say? Identify with Christ. Not, not identified as, well, I'm, I'm Scott, I'm, I'm so-and-so. No, we are no longer known as slaves to the world, slaves to our sins. We are identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a passion that begins to rise out of there. Verse 4 says, therefore we have been buried with him through identification, baptism, into his death. And I love this phrase, when Jesus died, I died. It was applied to me in 1970 when I got saved. But, but when he died, I died. When the Father judged him for my sins, I died with him. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ washed all the way forward to 1970 and covered my sins and wiped them out. And so I'm identified with him. First and foremost, I am known as a child of God. If you're a believer in here today, first and foremost, as God looks upon you, he looks at you first and foremost as a blood-bought child of God. And yet the battle, the battle for identification rages on, doesn't it? I mean, one of the things you would have to ask yourself is, what are you known for? Some of those, <laughs> those testimonies are phenomenal. They're saying, look, I was known for all these things. But let me tell you what I'm known for now. I belong to Jesus. Can you say that? Can you say that? I think these testimonies are powerful. And one of the reasons why we believe baptism is such an important ordinance of the church, not only did the Lord give it to us, and the scriptures command us to do these things, but they, they remind us that there are many who walk among us. The disciples said to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's many tares among the wheat. Should we pull them out? And Jesus says the tares will always be among the wheat. Do you know Jesus? Or are you still bearing the burden of show? It's a terrible burden to bear. Always putting on some kind of Christian way around the Christian people. Never being free to say, 
man, I'm a sinner still. God, Jesus died for me, but I still struggle. Will you pray with me? And, and be a person who's honest about things instead of a hidden life. So that's what freedom in Christ does. And that's why he says, as you've been raised with Christ, as Christ was raised, we were raised with him, so walk in the newness of life at the end of verse 4. There's a newness to us. It doesn't mean a perfection. My, my standing in Christ, get this, my standing in Christ is absolutely 100% perfect. My obedience, growing. It's growing. How about yours? Is God conforming you to the image of his son? Has your life been identified with Jesus Christ? Does it look and resemble the things of Christ? See, there's nothing, there's nothing on this earth worth chasing and if at the end of it you die and go to hell. There, there's nothing. There's nothing you can get. No prestige, no money, no, no anything else. And you live this life and in the end you thought you knew Jesus Christ but you put all your weight in your own works and your own person and your own identity. And in the end, he says, I don't know you. See, these are powerful times. And so Paul says, after displaying this beautiful gospel, that it is a gift from God, it's not of you. He does this. He grants salvation. It is, you don't come to me through keeping Sabbaths and eat, not eating this and not engaging with these things and a long list. He said this is free. And so the first question he knows they're going to ask, they're going to say, well, your religion is, oh, believe in Jesus, live any way you want. And he says, that's impossible. <laughs> when Jesus gets a hold of you and you believe the word of God, you can't live that way any longer. And sometimes it takes some of us a little more slower progress to grow, but we're growing. And we're learning to love him more and more. But he says, walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, he says, for if we have become united with him. This is a, you can see the terminology he's using. Baptismo, identified, immersed, united. There's this relationship here now that wasn't here before. For if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death. If he died and we died with him. Certainly we shall also be in the, in the likeness of his resurrection. Meaning just like the Lord, our Father in heaven raised Jesus from the dead. He will raise you. He will not, he will not let the second death take you. And that's the one you should be afraid of. That's the one that holds your soul in hell for eternity. See, we're united with him. We're now one with our Lord. We're in a union with him. And where he is, we will be also, Jesus told us before his ascension. And that's why we do baptisms. Because we love to say, look, here's some people who God by his grace saved and they want to tell you about it. And they want you to know that their lives have been changed. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. Scott's old self was crucified with Jesus. There's nothing about that old self you want to keep, brothers and sisters, <laughs> or friend in here that doesn't know Jesus. There's nothing about that thing that you want. 
All it's going to do is drag you to hell. And here Paul reminds us that our old self, that person that was outside of Christ, that wasn't identified with Christ, wasn't immersed with Christ, wasn't in union with Christ, that person was crucified with Christ. And he says the reason why, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Oh, I love that last little phrase, done away with. Can you get your mind just around that for just a moment? My sins are done away with because of Jesus. Because the wages of sin is death, period. My sins, your sins, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and by the grace of God he's brought you into his family, your sins are done away with. And that's why you hear people say, I can't hold this anymore. I've got to tell people, uh, we heard the words, this flame has to burn, it has to come out, right? We heard people sharing now the gospel with family, friends, neighbors, workers, because my sins have been done away with. The final end of that verse says, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Hey friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you have just this inkling of thinking, I think I'm still a slave to sin. It still has me. It tells me what to do every day. And, and, and don't lie to yourself because it does. It just says, hey, we're going here. We're doing this. We don't like that. Maybe what even you're hearing now teaches you you're a slave to sin. Maybe you've walked a Christian life and you have the burden of show upon you. This is still a massive burden. And you're still a slave to sin. And so he says, look, so we would no longer be slaves. We sing songs, the chains have fallen off, right? <laughs> That's how we, and people hear Christians sing that song and, and they don't understand it. It sounds good and there's even people in society have tried to use it with social justice and all those type of things and tie it to that. And, and though certainly uh, in social justice has been bad and a mark on our country, it is about the freedom from sin. No matter what your social status is or where you've been raised and what country it is or, or the color of your skin or your economic status, it is not about that. It is about the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, the one who puts their faith in me will be free indeed. You believe the truth that I give you, you will be free. And so what you hear in the waters of baptism here time and time again is I'm free. Jesus freed me. Verse 7, for he who has died is free from sin. That's really the, the long and the short of it. Did you die? There's two people in the world. There's those that are dead to their sins, meaning their sins cannot take them to hell any longer. And there's those who are still very much alive to their sin. And that means two things. One, your sins are forgiven if you're dead to them. No longer do you, will you receive the wages of your sin. If your sins are still alive, you got to pay for them. you got to pay for them. One of the two. Either Jesus pays for them or you pay for them. That simple. We here believe that Jesus Christ came, fully God, dressed himself in humanity, perfect, impeccable in all of his character and nature, walked on this earth, 
as a perfect man, suffered and died on a cross, and the Father took our sins and judged them as though he committed them, though he was innocent. He died in our place. He was our substitute. His blood washed our sins away. Our belief by his grace in him and his finished work cleanses us from all of our sins. And we gain his righteousness. We don't want our own righteousness. We've already tried that. We got his righteousness. We're not proud and arrogant about it. In fact, it humbles us when we say it. But I'll tell you what, we're very joyful about it. Because a free person knows joy. And when you're free of your sin, you live a whole different life. So praise the Lord for this. I, I hope it encouraged you. I hope some of you think deeply. Talk to the Lord. Is that me? Am I the one that has the burden to show? Or do I really know the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I free from my sins? Has he opened my heart? Friend, just beg him. I've seen many people come to faith in Jesus Christ and they begged him to save him. Beg God to save you. He will hear your prayers and he will open your heart. Amen. Father, we thank you for just a sweet time this morning. These dear brothers and sisters that publicly proclaim truth to us in the waters of baptism have stirred our heart. I think, Lord, because when we look at them, we see us. <laughs> we were there one day. There was a day when you pulled back the curtain, you uh, lifted the veil from our face. We saw Jesus Christ for who he was, the one who would die in our place, who would suffer in our place, be our substitute. He would take our filthy rags. He would take our sin upon himself and he would grant us his righteousness so we could spend eternity with the Father. So we see that when we look at him. And it encourages our hearts, Lord. Father, I pray for anyone in this room who does not have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let them leave today. Please, Lord, we can't save them. We, we can't trick them into salvation. We can't burden them into salvation, Lord. But we know that you can open their heart. So please, Lord, do your great work today in their heart. For those of us that know Jesus Christ, Lord, would you encourage us? Help us be like those in that waters there that reminded us he is worth talking about. Jesus is worth sharing. Jesus is worth living for. Oh, Lord, make us a light in a very dark world. In a world where, where men are judged wrongly and, and those who are wrong are, are judged rightly, Lord. In that world that's so confusing, we can find truth in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, illuminate that to us as we press on and learn to follow you, Lord. Thank you for this day, Lord. Bless now our final song, Lord. May it bring worship to you in Jesus' name. Amen.